0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we begin our new Sunday sermon series on miracles. With the first message in the series entitled, The Anatomy of a Miracle, we are pleased to welcome evangelist Jonathan Sewer. It is just a joy to be here. If you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 2. We're just going to jump in the Word, and I'm bad about preaching before I preach, and I'm going to try to behave myself, but first service was incredible. Uh, there was already people stopping pastor, people stopping me that were instantly healed just by hearing the word. Not really a lot of fanfare, just the word went out and there was a, a miracle of healing that began to hit the place. And I'm believing and expecting. When the pastor called me and we were talking about it and, and he said, you know, he said, I feel like the Lord spoke to me the next month or so. He said, we're going into a new series. He said, you got anything on miracles? He said, because I'm feeling, I'm feeling that we're entering into a season of miracles. Now, I I don't know if you understand this, but the anointing flows down. Go to the Old Testament when the anointing oil was placed. The anointing flows down. In a local church, the anointing flows down. And God has put a set man here. And it's not because we believe in hierarchy and that we come in to pontificate and to lift up somebody. But when the apostolic voice of a region or a city or a church sets the pace. When he opened his mouth and said, we are entering into a season of miracles, things have already started shifting in the last few days. A woman that I didn't know that, Pastor, met me in the foyer while I go with the testimony. And she had no idea what he was feeling. And in her car this morning, she called her mother weeping. And she said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I still believe in miracles. And God's about to do our miracle now. She walked in, and when she heard what Pastor was feeling, so we are entering into a season of miracles. So I want to go to John chapter 2 here in a moment. We're going to start in Hebrews, and then we're going to go to John chapter 2. But I'm just simply going to talk today about the anatomy the anatomy of a miracle, and we're just going to kind of get into that and see what happens. Does anybody here have a need? Literally have a need. Now, when I say a miracle, some of you already, oh, I got a headache. No, when I say miracle, that is the creative works of God that are unexplainable, undeniable. It's what a judge can't do, a a lawyer can't do, a doctor can't do, your mom-in-law can't do. Only the Lord can do it. Have you ever heard the old-timers say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. So it's what only God can do. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, will we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard God also testifying with them. It was confirmed for us by those who heard God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders. Say that, signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Does anybody still believe that? We're going to talk about John chapter 2. Now, in John chapter 2, it's the story. The Bible, if you read it in your scripture, most translations just simply say the wedding at Cana. But I don't call it the wedding at Cana. I talk it the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine. It's such a big deal. I was studying last night, and not only did he turned the water into wine, but it was the equivalent of 757 bottles. I mean, this wasn't a little miracle. And there's a phrase in verse 11. Just go to verse 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him when pastor and I were on the phone talking about miracles and about the series that scripture I said pastor have you ever read verse 11 in in, in John chapter 2 it says this beginning of miracles that's what I feel today this say this the beginning of miracles there are people listening to me not just because I'm preaching it's not about me it's about the prophetic position that this church is in and God has given you the ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to this church. We are entering in, say today, I am entering into the season of miracles in my life. Put your Bible down and clap your hands into the Lord. Somebody just ought to open your mouth and give God praise. You can be seated. I, I, I think that we have to define, first of all, what a miracle is. Because uh, as, as I, I was thinking last night, getting ready for this, and my mother's here, my sister's here, others are here. But being a son of a pastor and missionary, missionary evangelist, we were figuring up, trying to do some things for bio a few months ago. Um, but I've been in 52 nations and preached. Between my father and I, and now my son Alex is here today, and, and I'm so glad he's home because he's been gone a couple of years. And between the three of us, we added it up, and we've preached in like 89. Nine nations so far uh, the gospel in the last uh, dad started to so it be at 45 about 45 years ago I've been doing about 33 years so in 33 years been to right at 50 nations all that and so when you get to go to different areas you see things and you hear things that are a little different than what the normal American. so can I just have your permission Pastor met in the office and he said why don't you relax you don't have to prove you got to preach you don't have to prove that you're going to get up there and just try to be so intelligent and so deep don't worry about that but just get up and just try to just make yourself at home. So can I just make myself at home? And so I just began to think about miracles. And and my dad, we were raised, my sisters here, we were raised that we were going to Africa. Someday we were going to Africa. God called him to be a missionary to Africa when they were in Bible school in Houston, Texas. And so I was raised, we're going to Africa, we're going to Africa. But finally, it took years for him to go. I didn't say this in the first service, but I will tell you this, that sometimes God will call you before he prepares prepares you. And there is a season in between the call and the fulfillment of the process that you have to go through the process of the call. Because a lot of people want to be a minister, but they don't want to be a servant, but you can't separate the two. To be a minister, you have to step into the preparation process. So when God called him, he didn't know he was going to end up pastoring a church in Arkansas for nine years, getting ready for Africa. I don't know how that equates, but it's going to build your faith. Because if you have a move of God in some churches, it takes more Holy Ghost than it does in Africa. So he goes to Africa on a trip. He comes home from this trip. And, and I don't remember how old I am. Mom probably does. But we go to a Mexican restaurant. I do remember that in Little Rock, Arkansas. When he returns he's been gone about three weeks. We go to a Mexican restaurant. I remember it because look at me. I'm a foodie. That is is code for I'm chubby, but you don't have to say that anymore. You can just say, hey, I'm a foodie. And because I'm a foodie, I remember no matter how old I was, they had fried ice cream in Little Rock, Arkansas. They had fried ice cream, and so we go to that favorite restaurant, and we have this meal. And I lean like any preacher's kid, and I'm wanting to know, do they wear clothes over there? Do they have bones in their nose? Do they eat monkey meat? You know, what do they do? Yes, sometimes they don't wear clothes. Yes, they eat monkey meat. Sometimes they have bones in their nose. He brought me back a spear. I still have this spear. It's a miracle that my dog is alive. Because this spear was toy enough that the end of it is metal, but it'll bend real easy. And if you throw it at a dog, if you don't throw it just right, it'll bend instead of stick. The reason I know that is my collie almost got killed. Before they delivered him and delivered me and taught me a few things in Jesus' name. So, so. <laughs> But I was asking all these questions and so I'm leaning and then like any other preacher's kid and like my youngest son Alistair does and all of you probably would, I lean over and I'm like, Dad, did you see any miracles? And immediately he teared up and immediately I could tell from that point and my mom and I talked, we went to Africa about three or four years ago and I told them, I said, I've come looking for my father's heart because my father lost his heart in West Africa. When he came home from that trip, he was never the same. When he would look you in the eye, when he would start talking about those people and talking about those languages and talking about the villages and talking about what God was doing there he would tear up and his lip would begin to tremble and there was a tenderness and there was a love if I've ever seen God transform somebody and call somebody to the nation because he was never the same and he looked at me and he said well Bubba I was preaching at the end of the entire conference I've been over there for several weeks I'm going to preach in the headquarters church finally I'm preaching in the big headquarters church and the difference between Liberia and the rest of Africa is Liberia was started And founded uh, by slaves that had been freemen here in America, and they went back to Liberia. So they took more of an African American style. Now, in other parts of Africa, I can preach like this, and they're gonna sit and look at me just like you are right now. But if I'm preaching in Liberia, I can preach like this. I want you to know that I feel gin in my hands. I feel (laughs) gin. somebody get on the organ see some of you laughing but some of you just felt something I can be like I believe Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever I could do that in Liberia and somebody stand up and go thank you somebody stand up and say glory cause they have more of that style and he's like, I finally get to get in a church that's gonna preach with me. So he said, I'm excited about preaching and right down the middle of the aisle, this woman opens the back door, comes walking down the middle of the aisle, coming up with a bundle of sticks in her arm, interrupts my preaching right in the middle because you yeah, understand, we pass an all Caucasian church in Arkansas. They not gonna mm-hmm with you. So he said, for the first time in my life, I was getting my mmm on and she comes down the aisle And interrupts me in the middle of my sermon. And I'm looking at her like, what do you want? And she opens up the bundle. And it's not sticks, but it's a dead baby. About four months old. And the woman looks at him and says, "Buana, this be my baby that was done die for four days. And she began to tell him the story how that her husband had kicked her out of the house and said, if you cannot find a place or somebody that can heal this baby. Now, this baby wasn't sick. This baby was completely dead. Dad said that when she unwrapped the blanket, that it was the nostrils hit, the stench hit him. And he said there were flies and all this stuff. He said immediately, I got sick at my stomach because the baby was dead and it was bone and skin skin and sinew and it was dead he said I step back and I'm like dad what did you do he said well she begins to tell the story how she has gone to the witch doctor she has gone to the doctor she has spent all their money for four days walking the street but she said somebody done told me about the white man God that the white man God by the name of Jesus that he can heal the sick somebody said the power in the name of Jesus somebody said the power in the name of Jesus she said so I were walking home and going to take my baby to put in the ground in the morning. But when I look up on the top of the building the letter on the building said J-E-S-U-S. So I want to know is Jesus here? So how do you explain to somebody in a different language, a different culture and a different religion that don't own a Bible, that knows nothing about Christianity, that knows nothing about Jesus, the cross, the resurrection knows nothing about ministry and pastors how do you explain in 30 seconds or less that Jesus is alive but he's not here he hasn't been here in the flesh in 2000 years but he's here through me because I have been born again of the spirit and I have received power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon me and Jesus said greater works than these shall ye do also because I go to my father he said how I said I, he said how do you explain that look at somebody and say he's talking to you greater works than these shall ye do also uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world I wish I had somebody on the 5th of July that would let freedom ring for about 20 seconds. Do I have somebody on the 5th of July that says, I still believe that God is able. I still believe that God is able, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can either ask or think. I said, he's able. I'm trying to behave. I really am trying to behave. He said, I tried to explain to her, and I'm leaning over. And I'm sure Michelle remembers it. I lean over and I'm like, Dad, what happened? You had to know my father. Came into the spirit filled experience from a very wonderful, Bible based, strong Baptist background. Wonderful Christian family. Very strong in the Word. So you weren't going to spook him, and you weren't going to hype him. You weren't going to try to get him to feel something that wasn't real. Either it's in the Bible or it's not. Either it's God or it's not. Somebody tried to push him down. He just stand there and say push again i'm not following that was just his kind of personality i leaned over and i said dad what happened he said absolutely nothing and i'm like what with my fried ice cream melting why why aren't you trying to tell me this story if nothing happened he said but that's not the end of the story He said, I went to my room that night. See, who am I preaching to that you've stepped out on faith, you believe the word and nothing happened? Who am I preaching to that you come into this place empty? You started out with faith. You started out with joy. You started out believing God was able but then life happened. You started out believing that God could do anything but then cancer came. You started out believing that God could provide. Then the bankruptcy came. Who am I preaching to today that he said, I went home that night and voices spoke to me. Now he said I'm not one, and he wasn't one that heard voices had dreams. And he said all night long I could hear the whispers of hell. Your God doesn't work here. That name doesn't work here. You could go back to America. You're not welcome here. You'll never be a missionary. You're a failure. Everyone sitting there saw you pray for that baby and nothing happened. Go back to where you come from. And I said dad what did you do? He said well I go where you always go buddy when you're in trouble. I went to the word and I went to the word in John 11 where Jesus looked at Martha at the tomb of Lazarus and said I am the resurrection and the life no man cometh to the father but I can't help it I'm feeling a preacher right here said I am the resurrection and the life he said so I got up the next night with everyone looking at me like what's the big fat white guy going to do tonight he said I got up I turned in John chapter 11 and I began to read I am the resurrection and the life the back door opened with the same woman but a different baby this baby was hollering this baby was kicking this baby was screaming he stopped and said, he stopped and said, Woman, what is this? Your other child? You want me to bless the child? Because that's a custom in some countries. Bring the children to the missionary, or the pastor. She said, No buana. This is the same baby that was done dead for four days. This is the same baby that was dead. This is the same baby. But she said, you told me that Jesus was here but I could not see him. I could not hear him. I could not feel him. So I take my baby home. My husband said, we have to wrap the baby in the blanket. We're going to put the baby in the ground. So my husband lays on the floor with a stick so that when the rats come in the hut to try to get the baby that stinks because he's been dead four days. My husband had a big stick to stop the rat. But she said, about 3 o'clock this morning we heard something moving on the table she said this Jesus that was not here he come into my house this Jesus that I could not feel here he come into my house and this is the baby that was dead for 4 days tell somebody if God can heal you he can restore you if God can touch you he can restore you He doesn't do anything halfway. He can restore your body from diabetes now. He can restore your heart from divorce now. He can restore your mind from depression now. So... So my question today then is, my question is, is Jesus Christ the great I was or is Jesus Christ the great I am? Is he the God of Africa or is he the God of Austin? Is he the God of who you used to be or is he the same yesterday, today and forever? If you believe it, you ought to shout yes. Somebody here ought to open your mouth and shout yes. Hey, you ought to tell somebody, I'm in the middle of my miracle. I'm in the middle of my miracle right now. I'm in the middle of my breakthrough right now. I'm in the middle of my healing right now. I'm in the middle of my deliverance right now. I'm in the middle of my deliverance right now. See, here's what we have to understand is I'm surrounded by miracles. I walked out last night. Uh, Well, I say I walked out voluntarily. We were actually having World War III in our new neighborhood. These people in Austin, they don't buy the little fireworks. No, I'm for real. At 1130 last night, I thought I was going to have to pray for Stephanie because she's afraid of loud noises. It was like we had a marching band and a war going on next door. It was like kaboom. And I walked outside, and it was so beautiful. This week has been beautiful outside. Sometimes when it's clear, you can see the full moon earlier in the week. It's been absolutely beautiful. But not only am I surrounded by miracles, I am a miracle. Not only am I surrounded. See, you don't have to look through a telescope. You can look through a microscope. Because trillions of chemical reactions are taking place in your body, say my body, right now. Right now, you're inhaling oxygen. You're metabolizing energy. And you're managing equilibrium all at the same time. You are on a surface that is spinning in another surface that is spinning and you are completely out of control right now, but you don't know it because out of control has become your normal and it's called gravity. Hallelujah. You are manufacturing hormones and fighting antigens and filtering stimuli and mending tissue and purifying toxins and digesting food and circulating blood. Look at your neighbor and say, Right now. On that count, your heart will beat 100,000 times today, pumping six quarts of blood through about 60,000 miles of arteries, veins, and capillaries. Say 60,000 miles. That's further than round rock. If you laid them end to end, they would circle the earth two and a half times. Two and a half times. Say, that's you. It's not my neighbor. It's you. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's you. He's talking about you. So you know people and I know people who said they've never experienced a miracle. So let's just stop at the beginning of this series. Let's make this point number one. You have never not experienced a miracle. The moment that doctor slaps that baby and it inhales oxygen, you are a miracle and you're to clap your hands and give God Praise you, you are such a miracle that if your personal genome sequence was written out in longhand, it would be a three billion word book. If your DNA was written out in longhand, it would be a three billion word book. The King James Version, I have big print because I am over 30. The King James Version of its oldest language, the old, I don't know, what is it, 1611 edition, has 783,137 words. So almost 740,000 words. And your genetic code is the equivalent of about 4,000 King James Bibles. So if you were an audio book and you were read at one double helix per second it would take a century to put you into words. So what I <laughs> it would take a century to put you into words. So what I'm saying today is that you are a miracle. So let's just stop for a moment for all of these people that say I've never seen a miracle would you turn and look at the person next to you and say you are my miracle. every time I look at you I see a miracle you ought to clap your hands and give God a crazy praise what I'm saying is that you are a miracle and that's a testimony to God Albert Einstein said there's only two ways to live your life there's only two ways now Albert Einstein evidently was more intelligent than I am and he said there's only two ways to live your life either as if nothing is a miracle are as if everything is a miracle. You choose. You want to be miserable? That's fine. But I choose to believe that this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose to believe that in the beginning was the word. I choose to believe that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Does anybody believe in a miracle today? But not only do I believe that he created the heavens and the earth, I believe that he's about to show up in heaven. I believe that miracles are about to happen in here. Pastor, you get ready. The next few weeks, there are going to be testimonies of financial miracles. The next few weeks, there are going to be testimonies of marriages put back together. There's going to be testimonies of cancer has to go. Diabetes has to go. Fibromyalgia has to go. Lupus has to go. I'm preaching to you. You ought to jump up right now and say, I'm tired of hearing about it. It. I'm tired of talking about it. I want somebody to do it right now. I want to believe right now. I want to be a hearer and a doer. I want to be a hearer and a doer. I believe he's able right now. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! see, here's what the Bible says. You can go to Matthew 9 or Matthew 17. Jesus says it both ways. He says all things are possible and nothing shall be impossible. All all things are possible and nothing shall be impossible. And this takes us to this little story. And I'm gonna take about five minutes or so and just walk through this miracle at Cana because the writer says that this is the beginning of miracles that manifested the glory of God. So if this is how Jesus started, it might be how we're supposed to start in Austin. What God's gonna do in the next few weeks. Wave at me if you believe that. If God's gonna do something different here, so if If you take the anatomy and the tools and the keys of this story, you simply find, number one, Jesus was invited. Not only was he invited, he was invited to a party. The first miracle of Jesus starts with Jesus showing up where others were already on empty the miracle of Jesus started when Jesus showed up they were already on empty am I preaching to anybody today that said I'm tired of faking it I'm tired of just getting by I'm on empty and I have a need so you have an invitation you have a need you have a desire you have faith you have faith in the word and then you have obedience so here Jesus comes to the wedding and you have all of these ingredients coming together. In 1985, I was in Africa with my parents. My parents were missionaries in Ivory Coast, Côte d'Ivoire, and on parle français là-bas, parce que il y a, je crois qu'il y a 16 nations qui parlent français en Afrique de l'Ouest, et il y a les autres en Afrique de l'Est, et les autres parts de l'Afrique. Justin was saying, anyway, We were in French speaking Africa and yet we were invited to go to a conference in English speaking Africa and we had heard the missionaries tell a story that even as missionaries we didn't know if we believed. And so here we are and we're kind of being set up because we are going to visit and I can't wait to get there. And when we get there because I'm a teenager and you've got to understand I've always been half crazy. So we get there and the first thing I want to know pastor is I want to know is it real? Is it true what I heard? And they say yes it's true. They were in the the middle of the famine, 1983, 1984, 1985, in the middle of the famine, they had a village that had a pastor that was preaching and pastoring a Christian church. Don't take this uh, wrong, but we call it witch doctors. It was the fetisher or the native religious Practicer, whatever you would call him because it's not politically correct to say witch doctor anymore so I'm trying to behave myself I'm in America okay so anyway the witch doctor come and he challenged the pastor and said whatever god feeds his people is the god we will worship look at somebody and say this is the beginning of miracles today is my day this is my service so she said whatever god answers that is the god that we will worship that is the god that we will serve as a village so the pastor went and began to pray. This story came to him, John chapter 2. And he is where I got this concept of the anatomy of a miracle. Because when I meet him and he begins to tell me the story, I'm about 17 years of age at a Bible school graduation in Ghana. And he said, brother, the first thing is you have to get desperate. I wish somebody here would look at somebody and say, are you desperate? Because the first thing you have to realize is we are out of what we need, and only Jesus can supply what we have need of. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's about to make a way where there seem to be no way. And he said there was a desperation, so he goes and begins to pray, and he begins to read this story where Jesus turns water into wine, actually changed the chemicals, the molecules in the water, not only turned it into wine, but like I said, five wine, fine wine, 757. Seven thousand bottles of fine wine that he changes this way. You're talking about a lot. Look at somebody and say, that's a lot of partying. So while you have the partying going on, here this pastor is praying and all of a sudden he said the Holy Spirit quickened to him the scripture where Jesus says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And he said all of a sudden it dawned on him that if Jesus is the bread and if the word of God is what sustains us and if Jesus turned the water into wine, I'm desperate. I believe the word, and I'm going to obey the word, and I have faith. He took his New Testament, took it to his wife, and said, Mama, tear a page out of the Bible and put the page in the pan in the oven. When she put the page in the pan, the page turned into bread, and she pulled out, I feel like preaching here right now. She pulled out a loaf of bread, and for three months, the missionary was testifying that they were feeding the entire village because every service he would preach from John chapter 2 he would preach the miracle of turning water into wine and then he would say if you want to feed your family repent of your sins confess that Jesus is Lord and be water baptized in the name of the Lord they would come repent they would come get baptized he would give them a page of the Bible they would go home and make bread and God would turn the Bible into the Word do Do you want to know who the last person was that come down the middle of the aisle when the witch doctor's wife had him by the ear coming down the aisle saying Jesus is God? You will repent. You will say that Jesus is God. He gets down on his knees and declares the glory of God and says Jesus Christ is God and is baptized in the name of Jesus because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Could somebody clap your hands and open your mouth and shout yes shout yes shout I feel faith moving here I told pastor earlier I said I'm not going to try to preach a beautiful sermon and that's evident I said I am simply here to release faith because in this room today let's talk about this let's just walk through this little synopsis is anyone here running on empty is anyone here desperate And at the moment of the miracle, Mary turns to Jesus and tells him the need. And when she says the need, instead of embracing the need, he says, woman, what is it to thee? Because right before the beginning of miracles, she had an opportunity to get offended or embrace the word. No. Did you catch that? She had an opportunity. Because he said it like this, woman, why is that my business or your business? What is it? To thee. Study the context of that. She could have gotten offended. Now let's just talk. Let's just talk. I've been now preaching 33 years. And I could stand here today literally all day and tell you documentations of the dead being raised, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening. Even in the first service, people telling pastor the pain was gone. There was a lady in the first service had a migraine four months. The doctors can't help her. Completely healed. Other people were telling him to, that was just the first service. They were testifying all of that. The key is, is are you desperate Are you running on, and have you had an opportunity lately to get offended? Have you had an opportunity lately to get offended? Have you had an opportunity lately to get upset at God, to get it said at the church, to even get it said at your theology? And be- I don't know why God would let me go through this. Wave at me if I'm talking to anybody. Because if you've had an opportunity to get offended, you're on the brink of your breakthrough. If you can turn and say, whatever he says do, let it be according to his word. Whatever he tells you to do, I'm going to embrace the word. So let's go back. Is there anyone here running on him? is there anyone here desperate and is there anyone here that has survived the opportunity to get offended and you're oh hallelujah hallelujah I just felt that shift happen (laughs) I just felt that shift I know that I know when God's about to heal with every eye closed in this room today now in the first service we did a little different in the first service But this service is going to be different. There will be physical, instant manifestation of miracles in this room. Now, a miracle is not just a healing. A miracle can involve your finances. It can involve your family. It can involve your emotions. A dear sister asked me, can God heal schizophrenia? Of course he can. Is anything too hard for the Lord? All things are possible. Nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. Pastor, I feel this right now. And if, if Jesus, if we know, and we know, and we know for real because we've seen it, we know it. If Jesus can raise a dead baby, if he can raise somebody in the morgue, if he can turn a paper into a loaf of bread, not just once, but for three months we met the guy. He was at the graduation. He was a simple, couldn't speak English or French. Had to have an interpreter. He's the real deal. He wasn't lying. His people weren't lying. They have fat bellies. God provided for three months in the famine. It's the real deal. Now, I know those are huge stories, but is there anyone here that says your dilemma may not be that big, but it's that big to you? The cancer is that big to you. The diagnosis is that big to you. The incarceration of your children is that big to you. The addiction is that big to you. And in this room tonight, you believe this word that we are walking through the anatomy of a miracle and if this is the beginning of a miracle all I have to do is I have to be running on empty and I have to be desperate and I have to be willing to embrace my faith and I have to be willing to embrace with obedience and turn to his word I'm closing but I feel Jesus here I went to Ethiopia uh, what three years ago I guess now three or four time flies Alex and I were in Sierra Leone uh, about two years ago and, and just saw some unbelievable things but I was an Ethiopian I was so excited Cause you, can I just get real with you for a minute I'm a human and I'm a preacher and I had never seen people like this I look at the pastor's wife and I say how many people are here she says oh brother we stopped counting at about one half million and you can google it you don't have to believe me it's on the, it's on the internet it's got to be true <laughs> and about 600,000 people, they they guesstimate, but she said about one and a half million. And so I was so excited. And, and I won't tell you what happened on the first day. That's for another sermon if I ever get to come back. But on the second night, I'm supposed to preach. And I'm getting aggravated because after three hours of worship, nothing, nothing was, you know, they were just going on and on and on. I was wanting to order pizza. I mean, it's three hours. So finally I go over. And and she says, they keep saying, no, wait, wait, wait. And all of a sudden, people start running up to the front, right up to the stage. And they start throwing things. In this one service, I counted over 40 apparatus, whether it was a wheelchair, a cane, a walker, whatever. Over 40 crippled people in different stages in one service. No, 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 over 40 of them. Then over, 4 not over, but at least four that we know of, completely born blind, not not people that say oh you know I can't see good out of this eye (laughs) but people born blind that pastors documented because I love their crusade, the pastors document from their village, their name, their address they tell the truth, they come up there was four born blind before I ever preached, their eyes were open, they began to scream I could see and they would come up and give the testimony now you're sitting there, I don't know if Clyde's here today because he was with me in Ethiopia, he may be here somewhere in the audience, but I'm getting aggravated because God's doing all these miracles and I haven't got to preach yet And it's my first time in my life I'm going to get to be like Benny Hinn. I mean, I've been practicing all month to get up there and go, Hallelujah. And I'm so excited and they won't let me preach. And so finally I go over to the sister and I say, what's going on? Why can't I preach? She said, oh brother, don't worry. We're simply practicing the Jesus formula. I know that sounded so deep. Somebody just looked at me and said, yeah, that's good. You don't have a clue what it is. I walked off kind of did my little jerk, you know, (laughs) my little, Holy Ghost Jerk walked off and thought it was spiritual I turned around and said what's the Jesus formula she said it's where Jesus said we're two or three are gathered together in my name there am I in the midst of them she said we teach our people that the miracle is in the middle and so we teach our people that church is not about them being entertained it's about them being no it's about them being led by the spirit and coming to church being led by the Spirit, and we tell them the Spirit will lead you who to sit by. And so what we have taught our people for over 30 years is that when you come to church, that the Spirit leads you, and at least two believers will be standing or sitting next to a person that's possessed, blind, crippled, hot, lame. So in the worship services, we simply teach our people that if you'll come together with the other believers sitting around the person that's in need, when you worship in Spirit and in truth, Jesus steps in the middle Because the miracle is in the middle. So before you preach, you're going to preach the gospel. But before you get a chance to preach the gospel, we're just practicing the Jesus formula. And the miracle is in the middle. And four people that were blind could see. And the cripple began to walk because of the manifestation of the principle that the miracle is in the middle. So, at 1230... On a July 5th afternoon, I've read the word, we've preached, and we've told testimonies. But if we're we're hearers and not doers, what good has it been? So I'm going to ask one more time, who's empty, who's desperate, and who believes? (laughs) Who's empty? Only you stand up right now. Only you stand up right now. Only you, this isn't everybody, please, this is not an altar call. Only you stand up right now. You're running on empty. You're desperate, but you believe. Some of you have gone through a great opportunity to get hurt. You've gone through a great opportunity to get wounded. Whatever it is in your life, look at all over this building. There are people, if you have a physical need in your body, wave at me right now. You physically, oh my Lord, you have a physical need for a miracle. So pastor, what's going to happen is God is going to begin to heal. He's going to begin to restore. We're going to do a little different. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. Everyone's going to stand. And then I'm asking, look around. Everyone look around in the balcony, please. I really have to have your help. If you're seated and you're a believer, wave at me. Will you do me a favor and go to somebody that's standing? Go to some After I pray, wait for a moment. And then I'm going to pray. And at least two believers, if possible, if you have to go stand because there's so many needs. And then go get by somebody else. Well, there's at least two of you. And all we're going to do is love Jesus. And if you're standing, all you're going to do is you're just going to simply say, let it be according to your word, Lord. Just they be according. That's all you got to do. So we're going to love. It's not spooky. See, that's, people think, I'm, they say, oh, you believe in those miracles. It's so easy. This is what Jesus died to do. By his stripes, we are healed. Believers shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. So it's not going to be spooky today, but it's going to be amazing. Because in this auditorium, look at all these people standing. Cancer, lupus, fibromyalgia. I know what time it is, but I don't feel a release. Just There's something tugging my spirit. And it's saying that miracles about to sweep this place. Are you ready? So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to ask you to get around. And we're going to worship they're going to lead us in worship, and miracles are going to manifest and today is going to be the beginning of miracles at CLC for the season they've happened before, but not like they're going to happen in the season. This is a season of miracles. then, then, as you're dismissed, I'm going to come down front, and if you have a physical need such as bone. Back related. You're crippled. You have pain in your body right now. If you are not healed after we're praying, if you're still here and you need me to pray, that's what I do. It's what God called me to do. Is pray for the sick. I will pray for the sick. We'll have one eye, one line. We won't take people to be leaving. Dismissed. I'll just stand here. We're not going to make it spooky, but it's about to happen. If you believe that, raise your hand. Is this alright, Pastor? Whew. This about let me, can I just, I know what time it is that. In these atmospheres right now, in this quiet, just like this, I'm used to people start screaming. I can hear. I am used to people manifesting and being healed supernaturally in this type of atmosphere. Because I've been praying for years and said, Lord, I believe you're real. But the church is done more than hinder the supernatural. Because a lot of what we call prophetic ministry is pathetic ministry and a lot of what we call the supernatural is sensationalism and I didn't come here to be sensational but I did come here to tell you that Jesus is able and if you're running on empty raise those hands right now I'm going to pray then every believer when I pray and say now you're going to run two of you are going to suckle. everyone standing two of you are going to go and we're going to worship Father by the authority of your word